0: Welcome to uh, the seventh episode of the Middle Age Man Club. Today, we're going to be covering the topic of New Year's resolutions and goals in general. Um, does it make sense? Should we do it? Pros, cons, and maybe even some reflection on uh, on the past year as well. So, um, Gareth, what is a New Year's resolution?
1: Oh man, this is, you know, every year, uh, this time of year, we all run into this topic and, uh, and I don't know, I've been on all sides of the fence on this one. Um, but, uh, you know, and, and one of the big questions, you know, just to kind of get at what you're talking about here is, you know, what's the difference between a new year's resolution and just any other resolution? Um, you know what is it about New Year's resolutions that makes them so special, and uh, and why should we be paying attention to you know all the talking heads and all the uh, the, the articles you're going to see in print about uh, about New Year resolution New Year's resolutions? Um, you know, at the end of the day, the short answer is that a New Year's resolution is just a commitment to change. You know, in its plainest and most simple terms. You know, it's come to mean a lot more culturally for us uh, now, especially with the you know the media echo chamber kind of blasting back uh, the need to be your best self and some of these other kind of positive affirmational messages you know there's some question about whether or not they're really positive but you know what i mean um but yeah that's it i mean a new year's resolution is really just a, a commitment to change it happens at the same time every year you know to be the end of one year and the beginning of a new year
0: yeah exactly milestone birthdays
1: yeah exactly i mean it, you know either the you know, there's a, a psychologist that Dell has a university who you know talks about New Year's resolutions and, and you know one of the questions that you know that uh, you know I was reading this article online that she was uh, that she was answering is, you know why do we bother making New Year's resolutions as opposed to other kinds of res- resolutions and uh, and what she says is you know when it comes to goal-setting humans seem to prefer you know, temporal landmarks. You know, clear, definitive landmarks. Um, new Year's Eve, obviously, being one of those. You know, because it's at the cusp of the end of one year and the beginning of a, of a new year, um, and that those become just a you know a really important anchor for us to be able to initiate uh, initiate a change in our lives, and the same. It's uh, the same is true of birthdays and, and other milestones as well. You know, so a fortieth or fiftieth birthday, you know, marks the end of an era. You know, your thirties or your or your forties, uh, and the beginning of a new one. And so, it's time to reflect on the one hand to look back on on what you've accomplished over those, t- those the, that period of time and take stock, uh, but also an, a new opportunity to begin. And uh, and uh, and the reason why these milestones I mean, seem to help. Uh, has to do with a little bit with motivation, right? That uh, that having an anchor or a foundation on which to start the change just helps with a, with a, with a, a short, uh, usually short-lived surge of emotion or of, of emotion or motivation. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, there must be something to it. I mean, every year, depending on the study, between fifty and seventy-five percent um, of individuals will go through the process of figuring out and making a commitment to a New Year's resolution. So there must be something into it, and there is, as you say, something around goal psychology that actually um, you know has some merit in helping us provide the motivation or support that we need to to at least go after those. Um, I guess on the other side of that is when you look at failure rates, they're really high, and I guess what's what's most and this is not a surprise, uh, uh, but it, I guess to me it was uh, uh, th- this statistic was a surprise that a quarter of people will actually fail within the first 30 days. So it isn't just a, you know, like a, I, f- I didn't achieve my goal in the year, but you know, when you make a commitment, let's say to healthy eating and it doesn't take 30
1: days or gym or whatever, 30 days and you're done. Um, yeah, man. In that situation. You didn't even get on the on-ramp to the highway before no. <laughs> you figured off the course. <laughs> Yeah, that was, uh, that was it. Anyway, I'm sure we'll get into that,
0: you know, what's good, what's bad. And, and I mean, ultimately, why do we even do this to ourselves? Um, cause you know, in, in some cases this can seem like a bit of a, something a little bit counterintuitive. Where are you setting yourself up for failure?
1: Yeah. Like I also saw another statistic that says that, that, you know, people will commit to the same resolution five to 10 times before, before even solidifying any kind of desired new behavior change so so not only do you have a high failure rate uh uh you know just every year you know 20 or whatever it was a quarter of people 25 percent of people who fail within yeah. the first 30 days yeah. um but the exact same individual will fail up to five or ten times on the same resolution so really you know begs the question you know why why are we doing this to ourselves
0: glutton for punishment right
1: yeah, you know, and it's and, 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 but it's funny, you know, you think of, let's say, some of the, the, the classic behavior change uh, things that people will do this time of year. So, you know, quitting smoking is typically up there for, for, for anybody who's a smoker. And, you know, and it's hard to, in that case, because, you know, when I think about the failure rates, I'm like, you know, given how bad we are at this, maybe we should just quit quitting, and, uh, but the reality is what the, what the smoking example brings to light is, you know, it's obvious that there's some changes that, that, um, are just going to improve your life and they're not going to be easy. And so failure just needs to be a part of the way that you conceive of what the behavior change is going to look like and start to build failure into the, into the perspective a little bit. Exactly. I, I think that's it. I mean, we've, we've talked
0: about this and just about every topic that we've covered, um, that where we're failure, exactly as you say, needs to be part of the process and resilience and grit are ultimately the thing that lead to success. And so the idea that someone would attempt a new year's resolution multiple times, isn't actually a sign of, um, of failure or of weakness or of the inability to stick to something. I think it's going to be quite the opposite. I failed at this, but I'm going to, I'm going to no I'm going to keep trying at it till I get it.
1: You know, and and I think there's an opportunity, um, you know, to change the language around it a little bit as well so I mean I'm, I'm comfortable personally comfortable with the language of failure I don't mind admitting that I failed to certain things for me uh failure isn't demotivating uh and in many cases can be motivating for me because I don't like to fail um but but for other people out there where where you know the notion of failing ends up being a kind of negative feedback loop where once you failed you kind of lose motivation to, do, to, to 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 keep at it or to stick to it you know to, to have that grit you know uh, you can think of these episodes instead of as, you know, each episode that results in you not achieving your goal, right? I'm Notice I'm avoiding the word failure here. I mean, can, if you consider those as building blocks, each of them is a learning episode. And if your goal is not to get to the, you know, yeah, We'd all like to hit our objective the first time, it. I mean, who who wouldn't want to be successful the first time they try anything, right? But but one of the things you gotta accept is that that's probably not gonna happen pretty much in any part of your life, anyways. And so instead, if you start to think of the process as one that builds based on learning experience, and so these are incremental builds, then each one of these things that you might want to call a failure is in fact an opportunity to learn, to learn what works for you and to learn what doesn't work for you. Uh, And instead, when you get to the end of one of these cycles, you know, the the key is to not just give up at that point in time, but, you know, conduct the lessons learned and say, Hey, okay, so why did that, why did did the wheels come off the car at this part, part of the race? Uh, And what are the things that I can do for the next learning episode to try to improve and focus on incremental improvement instead? Very good.
0: And this reference probably, you know, won't resonate with, uh, with everyone, but in video games, there's a category of video games called role-like, rogue-like action role-playing games. And, um, the idea of this game is you, you, you're, you have to attempt to go through the game in one shot. Of course, you're not going to succeed on your first try and it's going to take 10, 20, 50, a hundred attempts in the game. Your character gains skills and abilities each time you fail that make them stronger and able to get a little bit further the next time. And I think it's a cool analogy in the sense that that's kind of how we operate, if, especially if you take on a really, really difficult goal. Your chance of succeeding on the first try of, let's say, cold turkey, smoke cessation, you know, that's a, that's a tough one. That's, you may not succeed try one, but you're going to develop skills and abilities in that first attempt tricks that you can incorporate in your second third and fourth attempts um and that the idea as you say they're not failures they're learning opportunities that build on each other and so that eventually by your x try you're going to get there
1: yeah and i think i mean i think i love the analogy i love the idea of thinking about the video games and love the you know just i'm like, getting this visual of like your scorecard and the skills and abilities and you're moving incrementally, moving up your score on your strength or your wisdom ability or, or, or what have you. Um, because it, I, I think that reinforces the point that, you know, change in, in, in reality, whether you, whether you believe this or not, the fact is that change is incremental. I mean, it always is. And, uh, and what the visual of just that achievement level leveling up as it were on a particular skill or ability really, highlights the point that that growth in this area in in any way in any behavior change is really going to be step by step point by point it isn't going to be it's going to be a wholesale and if once you start to be able to break down the individual knowledge skills and abilities that you need to be able to make the change and then figure out what it means to level up in each one of those things i think you got a solid plan for being able to make incremental change
0: yeah exactly right if you think about the types of goals that people set for themselves as resolutions. They, they fall into the, the categories you'd expect. Exercise, financial, uh, be that money saving or career, uh, healthy eating, weight loss, uh, family, love life. These are, you know, these are the things that make up the top five to ten resolutions for every for most people every year. But if you think about any one of those, those are really difficult. Um, take it, you know, if you look at something like career or relationships or, uh, health for that matter, you know, these aren't things that you make, you know, you, you start January 5th and you say, that's it. I'm going to get a new job tomorrow and there it is. And it's paying me twice as much and I'm happy now. These are journeys. Every single one of these things is a journey. Um, so there's, there's two things in what you said that I think are worth pointing out I lo- the leveling up is absolutely right. But what you alluded to is the idea that these large resolutions actually have subcomponents. They have steps and activities within them. And that's a good way of being able to, uh, to progress through it without getting discouraged. If, if let's say, health is a, is a priority, what does that mean? I mean that could be eating habits, that could be workout regimens, that could be just a sleep hygiene. Let's break those things down because maybe you're not going to hit all of them, but you know if 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 by July you have a healthy sleeping regimen and you're staying hydrated, which you maybe weren't before, and you've cut out maybe you know coffee or something else out of your diet, sure you haven't you haven't hit that fifty pound weight loss, but you're much better off than you were x months ago
1: yeah and in that feedback loop that you described there um you want to be able to have some wins along the way and and if you in the way that you conceive of a given change that you're looking to implement if success is just you know 100 success like you know quitting smoking uh completely for 10 years which you know again that's the ultimate goal uh we're not letting go of that um, but when you're in the process of changing, right, you have to be focused day by day, right? And mm-hmm. it's about getting through the first day, and especially with an addiction or anything along those lines. Uh, I, I mean, it becomes even more important to have the small wins, uh, and, and getting through the first day is the first win and you're getting through the second day is the second win and the third day and the fourth day and so on and so forth. And you don't start looking out onto the horizon until you've got enough of those days behind you that you've got enough confidence to say, Hey, you know what? I can stretch the goal here a little bit. Mm-hmm. you know and there's there's, and there's another thing i was thinking about as well you know when you when you think about what's required for change i mean i'm just thinking about this idea of you know what are the key things that that lead us to fail at goals and you know, i think it's also important to you know to to talk about the elephant in the room um which is you know not a lot of these changes are changes that you 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 know you really desire like and, and let me let me unpack that a little bit you know you know as a you know, as a, let's say you're, you know, you're, you have an addiction of some sort. I mean, the addiction has its own draw, right? Quitting, you know, is something that's intellectual, you know, that, you know, it's better for your health. Let's say if you're going to quit smoking or quit drinking or, or what have you, um, you understand that it's the right thing to do, but you know, viscerally, you know, because of the nature of the addiction or, or any other, or, or any other thing that you like, if it's food or what have you, you know, you're giving up on something that you also like or enjoy, mm-hmm. at least in some, in some sense of that word. And so, so. So the challenge from a behavior change perspective is that really this is a battle between doing what you should do, right? What you know you're obligated to do and doing what you want to do, right? right. And because uh, and what you want to do is kind of maintain a status quo. And you know that what you should be doing is eating better, getting more exercise or or, or whatever the, the, the particular thing happens to be.
0: Yeah. And that is uh, like with anything else, those things are very difficult. So the feedback loop's important, right? Break it down into steps, get that feedback. So you, um, you know, so you feel like you're moving along. Um, one thing that, that I want to go back to around, you know, we, t- we talked about failure or, or the other term that you used leveling up. Um, but I think the key in that is setting yourself up to a to expect it or be ready for it. So you yeah. don't get into a self-loathing loop where when you do encounter a setback, you look back and say, Well, there it goes again. You know, I failed just like last year, forget it. Be ready for it, right? You know it's coming. At some point there's gonna be a misstep, and you're just ready for it. And you say, Ah, I was ready for you, and I'm just gonna step over it and keep going. There's an interesting thing, actually, this comes out of um, fitness actually, working out. Um, where uh, studies have been done where they take individuals who are lifting a particular weight and they increase that weight and they ask um, the individuals whether they think they can lift, and I forget the number, arbitrary, let's say 10 reps of the new weight. And you you know where this is going. Mm -hmm. Those who say, yep, I can do it, do it. And those who say, nope, I don't think I can, usually don't. Now, what, what that is, I mean, we can get into a lot of philosophy and metaphysics around that sort of thing. But ultimately, there is a mindset component to this. If, if you sit down in front of a salad and you think, this is going to taste like crap. I'm not a fucking rabbit. I, I, this is going to get stuck in my teeth. I hate this. Guess what? It's going to get stuck in your teeth and you're going to hate it. But if you're just down, you go, you know, this won't be that bad. It's going to be fine. I'm going to eat this. and I'm going to feel great. I'm going to go do something else. It, it, you know, some of this doesn't isn't really uh, necessarily that complicated to to do, um, but it's the consistency with which you do it.
1: Yeah, that, and that mindset thing. Um, when you think about what it means to prepare yourself mentally for change, right? I mean, and and I think the weightlifting example is perfectness. I mean, you, you know, another good example in that space is, uh, you know, if you look at uh, you know combat sports ultimate, ultimate fighting, uh, there isn't a fighter out there who, who's, who's going to tell you that, that confidence is not important, an important part of being able to, to face down another person in the ring. Um, and it absolutely, you know, there's a psychosomatic piece to that, which is, you know, you can't be as strong, you can't be as aggressive, you can't be, you can't be as effective if you don't have the right mindset going into the fight. I think the same is true when it comes to kind of just basic behavior change as well. You know, so on the one hand where we're, you know, the, the message here is, yeah, there's got to be some preparation for. Learning experiences for leveling up. You know, understanding that the the, the nature of the process is one that's incremental. So you know, this isn't a, this isn't an all or nothing affair here, um, uh, and so and what doing that allows you to be able to do is to prepare mentally for those situations in which you know you you aren't successful on a particular iteration of this. Uh, so you can generate the lessons learned. Figure out what worked. Figure out what didn't work, and then get back into the training regime again, so you can level up for the for 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 the next the next round of this. Uh, and that's part of just basic resiliency training in general. Um, it's much easier to deal with uh, with a, a a consequence that you've planned for than one that you haven't. Exactly, and you know what I
0: find interesting is if 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 we take individuals and and we look at them in the workplace, they will have incredible diligence around the work that they do, the reviews of that work, the attention to detail, but they won't necessarily do the same in their own life. So if, if I know we're all, we're all over metaphors and examples today. So let's use, <laughs> let's use application development. So an agile application development, there's a, there's a concept called a, a, a postmortem, which is essentially the idea that once you've developed something or something has gone right or wrong you stop you look back and you say hey what did why did that work or why did it not work imagine applying something like that to your own life to your own self you set yourself a goal and then at the end of january you look back and go hey what happened did it work did it not work what worked well what didn't like we we don't have that level of rigor around ourselves but we we do around you know things that we do in the workplace for, for many of us. So there's, you know, there's a longer list of those types of, um, processes, if you will, that we can, we could and should apply to our own goals and progress.
1: Yeah, uh, that's, that's super cool. There's, there's a parallel to that called the premortem, um, which is this concept that, you know, yeah, having been through a couple of postmortems, you know, you know what it's like to to take stock, do your lessons learned on a given project, and say, okay, here's what worked, work, here's what didn't work, and that's true in in a, in a business environment. But yeah, I'm sure you've done that in your personal life as well. But what the the premortem idea is to say, okay, so what if we take the time now, today, before we've gone through the process, and you ask yourself, okay, I'm I'm, I'm now imagining my future self. And um, I'm imagining my future self in the postmortem, looking back on this. You know, are there lessons right now that I can anticipate that I might learn? Like, how much do I know about myself? How much do I know about the process? And and can I do some planning today? And again, and again this speaks to this idea of planning for failure, as we've called it, planning for leveling up, um, is is to start to look out and try to at least. Imagine how the situation is going to unfold, and you know if it's your first time going through a particular kind of behavior change. It's your first time, you know, trying to lose 100 pounds or 50 pounds or whatever, or whatever your target happens to be. Or it's your first time, you know, trying to give up a bad habit of some sort. You know, your ability to be able to 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 forecast out and and look at what the the key challenges are going to be, um, you know, maybe limited. But I I mean, I've got to say, for our audience, I mean, people you know in their midlife, I mean, this can't be the first time that you've gone through this. And so there's a lot of wisdom you can bring into the beginning of the process as well that's kind of like that post-mortem but it's a pre-mortem instead where you can start to anticipate what failure is going to look like and plan for it uh, in advance so that when it happens a you're not surprised and B you've already spent a little bit of time thinking through what the responses are that you could have to that situation so you're so so you're able to react more quickly and get things back on track that's
0: that's so good and I and I it, it, this is one of those double-edged swords right being being the age that we are is we do have that experience. And I love the premortem idea. Um, When you said that, it makes me think of, for some reason, it made me think of petit mort in French, you know, like the little death, which is an orgasm, which is a whole different thing. Um, (laughs) And what would be a premortem is that? Anyway, this, uh, sorry. So, uh, but I love the idea because it, we do know, right? We can anticipate, we can predict these things. That's the good thing that's one of those things as, uh, that we have that we call wisdom, but it's actually wired into the brain. There's a lot of cool stuff about that. Um, the bad side of it is, is because we know sometimes it, it begins to discourage, right? It's like, well, I know what's going to happen. I know exactly what's going to happen. You know, February 14th is going to come around and, uh, and she's going to break up with me just like last year, <laughs> right? Since, and, and that can be a very discouraging thing because you feel like you're in a rut. You feel like because you've gone through this before, it's going to happen again. Um, but that's not the case. It's quite the opposite. It's it, it's it's leveraging that wisdom of knowing what's going to happen, as if you can predict the future, to not let it happen, or prevent it, or put in measures to either not ha- have it happen or deal with the fallout. Which is which is even the um, perhaps the better way of approaching it. Um, you made me think of something, and I and I, and I need to say this because I will forget because, uh, you know, middle-aged brain and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> as, you, as you talk about these pre-mortems and the ideas to, to think about the future, there's a very good exercise around writing your own narrative, writing your own story. Mm-hmm. Um, it goes under a bunch of different names, uh, a bunch of coaches recommend this sort of thing, but the premise is straightforward. You sit down with a blank piece of paper, and a pen. This is better done handwritten. And you imagine yourself writing a story about yourself 20 years from now. So as if your tw- you're 20-year-from-now self is writing to you today. Um, or just imagine that you're 20 years from now writing the day's diary, whichever, whichever metaphor works for you. But the idea is 20 or 30 years from now, you're sitting there and you're looking back on what you've accomplished over the past 30 years. And you begin to write that narrative, which, which will go something like, you know, I'm currently sitting in my chair in my blank. Where am I? What am I doing? What do I feel like? What's around me? what have I done over the past few years? Who's with me? And you're creating this almost utopian point of view of where you are that many years from now, but it forces you to think about all these things. It forces you to go through and and make decisions of where am I and how did I get here? And how do I feel? And why do I feel like that? And as you begin to answer these questions for yourself, you map these things out. And there's some incredible statistics about the people who do this and how much more likely they are to get to the points that they describe, but it's very similar to the the premortem that you're talking about, which is anticipation of things to come. Mm-hmm. Sorry, the tangent there.
1: No, no, it's it's a it's a good one, and it's it's got me thinking as well. I mean, uh, th- there's a lot in there, and uh, you know, one of the questions that I was preparing for today that I was you know rolling over in my head, um, you know, it speaks to this idea of. Why bother with a new year's resolution in the first place? I mean, and again, you know, now that we've got a couple of distinctions in place here, you know, you know, we just give up on the idea of a new year's resolution, you know, whether it has to be at a particular temporal moment of the year. And we we just talk about resolutions in general. Um, there's a little bit left to be unpacked in there. I mean, even, even this visioning exercise that you're talking about, you're thinking about, about, you know, your future life. I mean, I think it's a super valuable thing for us to all be able to do. And, um, but the reality is that people are at different points in their lives. Um, uh, they have, uh, different challenges in front of them. And, uh, you know, there's this fine balance between, you know, uh, I, I got, I'm trying to find a, a, a delicate way to put it, but I mean, I, you know, what I, what I don't want to be doing is participating in the addiction to self-help kind of movement where, you know, everybody, everybody's default assumption is that they need to change. They need to fix something. I mean, you know, we can all talk about a, a kind of very mundane version of that, which is, Hey, little self-improvement. That's not a bad thing. Um, but, but the flip side of the coin is that, you know, there's something to be said, um, yeah, you know, and and I, and I see this in the body positivity movement that you see that, that you see it there as well. Is, you know, being able to accept who you are and being okay with who you are as well. And so, so I, you know, I don't know, I don't know what to say about this exactly. I just kind of wanted to put it on the table here. But this tension between you know accepting who you are, uh, you know, warts and all, and on the other hand, striving striving for change at the same point in time. I mean, you know, you know how much you know when you when you talk about change. You know, I just want to make sure that I'm not encouraging um, at least for myself, I mean, this is kind of, cause I'm thinking about this for myself as well. Uh, this idea that, that I need to live up to some you know fantasy expectation about who I need to be as a husband, as a father or as a lover or, or, or what have you. And how do you find that balance? I mean, what is good change and, 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 and what, what is a good journey in that respect? Thoughts? Yeah.
0: Awesome. Awesome. Here's a, uh, all the kids are doing this now. There are challenges everywhere. Have you seen this? The oh, blank the, challenge.
1: <laughs> yeah, the Tide Pod challenge.
0: Tide Pod <laughs> challenge. So how about this for a challenge? How about, and I'll and i and I'll challenge anyone to do this. I'm challenging myself. The new, new Year's resolution for 2021 is to enjoy who you are. That's
1: it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No,
0: so, no changes. The change is a mindset change. You will do nothing different you will not lose weight, you will not gain weight, or maybe you will, who cares? The idea will be that throughout the year, you'll have a positive outlook and a positive self-image. That's the challenge. And every t- and every time you don't, you know, you got to think about that and see what you can do about resetting yourself to continue to have a positive image.
1: Yeah, I, I love it. I mean, I think there needs to be a threshold for change to some extent. It's like, like if you're thinking about what's the bulwark against getting caught up in some fantasy about who I need to be and and, and which is, you know, the really ugly side of change. <clears throat> and, uh, and but also, you know, knowing when uh, I'm in a good place to be able to be initiating a change in my life. And I think, I think that, I think you just kind of nailed it there. That's kind of the threshold is, you know, if I'm okay with who I am, um, you know, I'm not, uh, I'm not beating myself up about my physical appearance or, or about, you know, the ways that I'm reacting in other parts of my life. And again, notwithstanding that you may have some really big challenges that you need to deal with here. This is, you, you know, because this is super complicated, this shouldn't be an excuse for just accepting really bad behaviors. I mean, if you're behaving in really horrible ways, I mean, maybe those things do need to change. And so, so let's just, let's take those off the table. I mean, for all the kind of vanilla new year's resolution type changes, I think the start really should be being comfortable with who you are. And then in that headspace, I think you're in a much better position to be able to make, you know, good solid decisions <clears throat> about the challenges, the changes that seem warranted in your life. Um, and I think you'll have a much better perspective on how to pursue those changes. And chances are, you're going to be, you're going to have a lot more success at being able to att- attain those changes when you're approaching it from that kind of a mindset.
0: Hmm.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I, I think it,
0: Part part of this exercise is broadening the horizons of this, right? If we're gonna go through this exercise, let's go through it with a with a broader lens. How, what else can we think about? How else can we can we set ourselves set goals for ourselves? Um, he, here's here's another one. Don't make it a New Year's resolution. Come up with your own. It's a January fifteenth resolution because it's unique to me. That's when I make my resolutions.
1: Even, <laughs> I, I like I just, like that idea too. <laughs>
0: It, it doesn't just, just break the whole thing, right? So it doesn't have to be yours. And when people ask you, what's your, news, your New Year's resolution? You can be like, I don't have one. I have a January resolution, but I don't have a New Year's resolution.
1: Yeah, and I think it's a bit more um, realistic as well. You know, there's there's another, just before we we move off this, this topic, because I, I, I mean, I'm just in this thinking about the headspace about, you know, the conditions for success um, Mm -hmm. and, and what's required to be able to, to, to do that. And so I I think you laid out a really cool challenge there, which is, you know, being, being comfortable in your own skin, uh, as a, as a, as a first goal, because it doesn't require, I mean, it requires a lot of mental effort, but it doesn't require you to buy a treadmill or, uh, you know, or to, to reorganize your basement or, or, or what have you. Um, but there's other things I think that that are important to think about as well. When you're looking out on your life and you're saying, okay, you know, what needs to be, in place here for me to be successful, you know what are what are what what are successful conditions for change? And we've talked about some of the psychological conditions there uh, earlier on. But uh, you know, something that's that's come up for me uh, personally in, uh, in in the kind of COVID <laughs> the COVID environment that we're still operating under. Um, like you know, like many people, I've been working from home now consistently. Um, you know, I've been fortunate enough to be able to work from home, uh, which is a good thing. But I've been working at home consistently since uh, since March of last year. Uh, you know, I, uh, my, you know, this is, this is not my day job, uh, you know, being on this podcast, uh, I do have a, a real day job like the rest of you out there. Um, and, and that job has been, you know, pretty busy and, uh, and so I've been sitting a lot, I've been physically inactive, um, and haven't been taking, you know, regular breaks and, uh, and certainly diets become a challenge because, you know, sitting at home, it's much easier just to grab a quick snack before you move on to the next meeting or whatever else that you have going on. And, uh, you know, as I've been looking out on, you know, 2021, um, you know, what I realized is that before I'm, I personally am going to be in a position to make really big decisions about 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 my life, like really bigger big big behavioral changes. You know, when I think about Maslow's hierarchy, there's some basic needs that need to be attended to as well. So just like you suggested, you know, being being comfortable with who you are, you know, I think as a next bound on that, I mean, taking care of the basics, right? You know, mm-hmm. are, you, are you getting enough sleep? I mean, as crazy yeah. as it sounds, and sleep habits are, you know, again, if you, unless you suffer from, a, you know, a, a sleep disorder of some sort, uh, uh, because that's a different, a different kettle of fish, but if, but if you're otherwise, you know, don't have any, don't have any issues with your sleep routine, um, so long as life isn't pushing it out, you don't have a new child or you, you know, you aren't working late hours, you know, your sleep routine is something that you can manage fairly simply right? By, by, by instituting some basic sleep hygiene techniques and getting to bed earlier. I mean, that's the key thing. Um, so that you actually get able to enjoy an hour or two extra sleep, sleep. I mean, the, the, the benefits of sleep hygiene, there's tons of research out there on this. I mean, that, that alone is, is, is super important. So that's one. Second is nutrition. Um, eating before before you leave
0: the sleep one. Yeah. Yeah. There's a, uh, just as an aside, cause this, this came to mind, there's, um, uh, a lot of people, me included will, you know, late in the evening when they should be going to bed, procrastinate their sleep and do something, watch Netflix, play on their phone, oh, something gu- other than sleep.
1: Guilty as charged. And
0: exactly. And, but there's a reason for this. This isn't random. Why do we procrastinate sleep? Sleep is great. Who doesn't like sleep? And the reason we do this is because, at least the theories say, it creates a semblance of control in our life. There's something that we can control. I get to decide when I go to sleep. Maybe I don't get to decide when I get up. Someone else decides when I get up, but I get to decide when I go to sleep. And so it's a way in which we attempt to exert control over what we do. We just have to do that in the right places, and sleep is not one of them right like yeah exert your control over some with some something else you can paint your nails a different color every day there you're exerting control but the sleep part is kind of important for how we operate that may not be the best place to to you know demonstrate your control
1: yeah it's a good point i mean there's, there, there's another uh, i think there's another factor in there that that now that we're on it i mean i may as well highlight as well um People recharge their batteries in different ways as well. You know, I'm, I'm a, an introvert. I'm a social introvert, but, I, but I'm an introvert by nature. So, so for me to recharge my batteries, I just need time away from people. Um, but I also happen to work at home with my wife right now who also works from home. Uh, and I've got three children and uh, mm-hmm. my ability to find time on my own is basically limited to those parts of the evening and so there is a tendency as part of my own mental health i mean i literally have seen it this way for a while is i need to have you know an hour or two where i can you know not be responsible for other people or have to interact with other people and find time to myself and sometimes that'll carry me into the late evenings and, mm-hmm. and but you know, that comes at the cost of sleep, especially, you know, we, uh, during a busy work week. And, you know, if you're working, you know, nine to 10 hours a day, um, kids get picked up late, they go to bed a little bit later and all that stuff. I mean, you know, th- getting that extra two hours in for yourself at the end of the day will come at the cost of sleep. And so, and so finding a way through this to try to balance that is, you know, I think you need to be deliberate. This is what I've learned is that at least for consistent parts of the week, you know, during the work week, doing this on the weekends instead, um, is, is either scheduling in time to yourself, uh, so that you can make sure that the time is there at a reasonable hour. Um, um, but, but I guess the point is that it can't really come at the cost of sleep overall because, you know, right. you'll see your concentration will improve, your stress levels improve. I mean, a lot, oh, there's a whole bunch of things that are just start to fall into place that you probably haven't even noticed if you haven't done this for a while. Mm-hmm.
0: No, good point. Sorry, I think you off track. You're, you're
1: moving on to health. I think. Yeah, yeah. Well, no. So, th- I mean, these again, just the, p- picking up the thread here. These are just foundational things. I think, in addition to you know, you know, other ways that you care for yourself mentally, physically, need to be in place in order for you to be able to support any kind of real, any, any bigger change that you want to make in your life. So, the mm-hmm. the, the second thing uh, that I again is is challenging at times, but uh, but also equally important is nutrition. You know, and now, it, 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 what you can't do here is set the goal that you're going to have salads every every day for lunch and, uh, you know, and steamed fish and rice and, or, you know, for a vegetarian, you might eat something else, you know, uh, every, day, every day of the week. I mean, if, you, if you're able to do that, that's awesome. But nutrition can be done, you know, one meal at a time. Right, moving so it's an increase in the quality of the food that you're eating, you know, uh, and in some cases it just involves doing less of the bad things. I mean, okay, fine, you know, maybe you're not going to have like the 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 perfect keto or whatever fad diet uh, you know you fantasize about, um, but you can just you know eat a few less potato chips eat a few less, uh, you know, mm-hmm. reduce the amount of sugar in your diet. Um, just increase the amount of fiber just a little bit. Uh, and these can be small incremental goals that, that will, uh, again, improve your physical well being. And the last one, which I think is, 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 is one of these ones that is kind of a new year's resolution. Cause this is kind of almost paradoxical because now I'm saying, Oh, you know, you have to try this thing. It's really, do this thing. It's really difficult before you can do the, make the changes that you want to make, but, but exercise. Um, you know, again, having been sedentary for the last year, I, I'm certainly feeling just some of the weird ergonomic twitches and, uh, and and uh, and ticks from from having been seated at a desk at home for 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 too long um, but exercise can be simple i mean one of the things that we instituted over the holidays with the family is you know a family walk uh once mm-hmm. a day uh we haven't done it every day so uh, you know we try that was the goal at the beginning so we've had uh we've, we've had some leveling up that we've had to do um, but we've gotten out you know certainly uh about five or six times in the in, in the last uh you know last seven to ten days And, uh, and I can tell you, I mean, you know, that's enough activity just to get your heart going. And then, you know, you chase after my, my kids are fairly young, so I, they, they like being chased down every once in a while. You know, you know, you can build a little bit of physical activity in just to move the needle forward. So anyway, and, and, and and walking, but as an
0: aside is, is excellent. You know, we don't think of it as, you know, cardio, get the heart rate up and all that. But what walking does do is it's one of the better activities to get blood flow to the brain. Mm -hmm. And that has not only, not only does that help you in the moment helps you think clear, makes you feel better, but that has actually impacts the longevity. So these are, yeah, simple things that are, uh, that are not that difficult and have, uh, really good benefits. I think from, it was a good list. I think, you know, as we had alluded to before, this is an inventory and you should really tackle these things one at a time. Yeah. I I don't think you want. I don't think I know you don't want a, like a to do list of forty two items that are going to be your resolutions. <clears throat> that becomes a difficult, a more difficult thing. You want that list to be shorter and manageable. And hey, maybe you overachieve and you knock some of them off, and you want to have a June resolution and add something to the list. But start with something a little bit uh, a little bit shorter. Um, there was a, there was another one. I think we. T- I think you had mentioned earlier, or maybe we we, t- we t- mentioned this to me the other day, which was this idea about removing associations from mm-hmm. from uh, from resolutions. And, and I'm assuming that that meant negative associations, or really any association that may, you know reminds you. This is you know the I'm doing this, and it reminds me of something else.
1: Yeah. So, so, you know, typically when we, when, when you know, when you hear psychologists talk about behavior change, I mean, one of the big things they'll talk about um, is kind of the internal constituents, the internal factors that need to be in place, you know, the motivational, the motivational aspects. And we spend a lot of time talking about those. Um, but there are things that are out there in the world as well, environmental factors that, you know, we typically think that these are beyond our control, but, but, but they're not exactly. I mean, so, you know, so you know, and I I hate to keep using the the smoking example, but it's such a well understood example um, uh, for for habit change uh, and and very well studied example um, that I'm going to keep using it anyways. And so so when it, so when it comes to associations, so so for. For, for smokers, you know, there, there's a certain behavioral routine or pattern that becomes associated with, the, with, with this or any other addiction. I mean, there's, there's some really interesting research on, um, you know, on, on the addiction to stronger drugs that, that reinforces uh, the importance of environmental cues for, mm-hmm. uh, for dictating behavior, be, behavior. So, for example, for a smoker, um, you know, if you're used to having a cigarette with your, you know, your first coffee of the day or when you're drinking alcohol or after a meal or something along those lines those become key points at which because the behavior has been so reinforced over time those become key challenge points for being able to to break the habit right those are the points in time which the, the 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 addiction the urge or the craving is going to be at its peak for for an individual um, and so you know so the 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 standard recommendation to somebody who's who's trying to deal with an addiction in general is to change the routine of their life sufficiently enough um, that those cues aren't there, you know, so you can start to break the association between, for example, a meal and, uh, well, a, mm-hmm. meal and a cigarette or, uh, or f- for example, I mean, if, 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 you know, this is kind of a bit more extreme, but like if you were, if you were a drug addict, you know, certainly pulling yourself at a certain social circles, certainly pulling yourself at a certain physical mm-hmm. environment. So, you know, if you're, if, 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 if being at a restaurant um, and you're you're a recovering alcoholic, if being at a restaurant and hearing the you know, the sound of glass or or the smell of uh, the smell of that kind of environment sets you off, well, the easiest right. thing to do then to to get rid of that external cue is to is to change your environment. I mean, and that's, and that's not easy, but I mean, it's easy to stay where you are, which is at home, and not go into those environments in the first place. So, so those are some some kind of some some behavioral modifications that are really about about changing the context in which the habit uh, gets activated by removing some of the external cues that might trigger the habit uh, in the first place. Um, And, and, and there, there, the inverse is not the inverse, but, but, but but there are other things that are true as well. So uh, when it comes to, for example, starting exercise, so that's not avoiding things. So it's not as simple as just, you know, staying on your couch. That's not going to get you to exercise. Exercise Mm -hmm. requires a a certain amount of effort. And so, uh, and so, you know, when you try to figure out when you're going to be able to initiate the a, an exercise activity, you know, it's not about changing your physical environment. It's about changing in, instead a set of, you know, a set of uh, you know, overcoming the obstacles that get in the way of you being able to initiate the exercise activity. So getting you into the gym environment where you have positive cues that are going to reinforce you uh, is a different way of being able to manage the, the managing your environment, right. so to speak, to encourage your behavior. Yeah.
0: Right. So either you're you're getting rid of the associations or the cues, or you're introducing new ones that'll help support the behavior you're trying to to complete. Precisely. Um, that that makes perfect sense. One other thing I had seen is, and this this is a a, a, a nuance, I suppose, but I think it may I think it's it actually you know has more to it, which is the idea that when we describe these these goals, we should use the word will do as opposed to should do. Um, which, which also has another component to it, which, which is making these things more, um, uh, more of a final thing, right? I'm going to do this or nothing else, right? It's going to be this or nothing,
1: mm-hmm.
0: um, where it's, where it's very much a, uh, you, you kind of, you're kind of setting yourself up for failure at those things, both by making it think, making it something that you, you know, where failure is something where, where you didn't do it, um, in both cases, right, where you make the alternative complete failure, or you set yourself up by using the word "should," meaning if you don't, you've already failed.
1: Yeah, one hundred percent. I mean, this and this speaks to, to 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 some of the earlier themes that we were talking about. You know, when you're setting out to make making make a change, right? You know, certainly the first step in the process is to have a is to have a goal. There's a, there's a there is a desired change, um, but is that something you should do or shouldn't do i mean everybody knows for example if you you know if you've got unhealthy eating habits that you should eat better you know that there's this kind of normative force behind the idea that we need to improve our behaviors but the, but the, but the point here about about getting rid of that language is that is that once you're thinking about behavior change from that kind of obligatory mindset you know, anytime you have an episode in which you know you're you're kind of moving off the tracks a little bit, you know that can introduce a cycle of guilt and shame, uh, mm-hmm. and, and again get us back onto that failure track, which we're we're instead now trying to reconceptualize um, as leveling up, uh, as learning right. episodes that are that are about growing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, and so the should piece of this just is, it, it isn't a, a constructive way of thinking about it. I mean, once you've decided that you want to move in a specific direction, it's not something you should or shouldn't do. It's something you're you 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 want to do, right? It's a desire. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not obligated. Uh, and, uh, and everything else that you want to put in place is the right mindset to make sure that you're, you're setting yourself for, up for success to achieve it. And so, so again, the goal setting becomes really important here. So certainly you have a longer term goal, but setting short term goals makes it much easier for you to move away from the should language to say, you know, I will get through today. You know, I will yeah. exercise at least once today right? So now it's not, I will, you know, uh, you know, lose 50 pounds in the next two months. Well, that's not a realistic expectation. So, so it's almost tantamount to a should, because you've set your, you're you're setting yourself up for failure there. So again, a realistic, setting a realistic plan, setting short-term goals, and then focusing on what you're going to do, not on what you should do or, or or getting into that kind of normative language. Yeah, Exactly right. Okay. So
0: in conclusion, yeah. Uh, resolutions. Good? Bad? Should we do them? Should we not do them?
1: Well, yeah, you know, I, th- I think I think whether you do it or not do it, do, do, whether you do it or don't do it, you know, it needs to start from the right motivation. So, so so, get back to basics. You know, step one, you know, why are you making the change in the first place? You know, are you happy with who you are? Um, and do you, are you setting realistic goals? You know, are you living, trying to live out some, some perfect fantasy about what else, what, what everybody else thinks you should be doing with your life? you know that's that's part 1 i think the second part is you know is making sure you're taking care of some of your basic needs first you know the you know the the, the it, i mean it's just everything is easier when you're calm you're not stressed you're well fed you're getting enough sleep you know, your ability to be able to, to get rid of bad habits is just gonna be, if if that's you know, the behavior change you want to implement, it's just gonna be so much easier. So I you know, I would I would recommend that the first set of changes you need to be thinking about are are you know those changes that are just gonna make your life function a little bit better. More rest, better eating, a yeah. little bit of exercise.
0: Yeah. So I like what you're saying. Start start with the right motivation, do it for the right reasons. And then when you do start, make it make it. Or think about it in terms of building blocks. So you're not tackling the the harder ones uh, than uh, uh, before. Some of the easier ones again. Thinking back to the video game, right? You're not going to go to yep. the hardest level right off the bat. You're going to work your way up. So start with start with the simpler ones. We talked about before about breaking down or breaking up the activities that you have, which is which is similar to this idea of starting in the right place. And you had you had mentioned this a moment ago. Uh, around the idea of just getting through today, just getting through this week. And I think that's that's absolutely the right way to do it. We can handle anything that comes at us in the moment. Uh, and we do that certainly during stressful situations or times of grief. But we can also apply that same type of thinking to a challenge like this, where don't think about the fact that that you know if your goal is, let's say, food related that you have 355 days of eating remaining and you have to and you have to think about gosh am I going to be able to keep that up don't think about the 355 think about the one because you can handle the one mm-hmm. If you try to handle the mental strain or the willpower strain of the entire year in a moment, you'll fail. So just handle the thing that you can in the moment um, So we talked about the order, uh, we talked about having uh, cues removed or added, um, depending, on, uh, depending on, on your activity, the language, you know, you will do something or you won't. We talked about the idea of pre, pre-mortems and post-mortems, anticipate what's going to happen, especially around failure, reframe failure as learnings and leveling up and review what happened and review what happened in the in your recent past if something worked or didn't work think about why it did or didn't and use that moving forward you may not get it right this year but you will certainly be in a better position to get it right next year or the year after and that's that's how this stuff works in fact in some ways overcoming challenges like that over a, over a few years that kind of grit is going to feel great when you get to the end, it's going to be a very rewarding experience.
1: Absolutely. All right. So I guess with
0: that, uh, we'll leave everyone to, to think about what they may or may not want to decide for their 2021 resolutions, plans, and goals. Maybe you'll be creative and pick a different date Maybe you'll take us up on our challenge to think about just enjoying the year and enjoying who you are, or maybe you'll you'll go with something that's a little bit closer to home. Either way, good luck on your journeys. Let us know how things go. As always, thank you for uh, listening. Big man hugs from all of us. Take care.